I'm not chasing gender equality. And I'll tell you why. What we are trying to accomplish is a mechanism where we can promote or take an organization which can promote women in the roles of ownership, leadership, supply chain, or market making. I'm not trying to tell you how to run your business. I'm just asking you to use the lens of saying, what else can you do? Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chat Masala. We're thrilled to have uh, Seema Chaturvedi with us. She is the founder and managing partner of AWE, Achieving Women Equity Funds, which specializes in initiatives to impact gender equity and climate action. Uh, the thesis is that investing in women-led businesses deliver both commercial and social goals. Uh, we're thrilled uh, to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank Seema. you so much for having me, Rahul. Lovely. We want to jump right in. I think uh, a question that we discuss a lot is how do we measure impact? You know, with any other VC fund, uh, it's very clear, okay, we want 2x, 5x, 10x uh, returns. With an impact fund, you're thinking about both commercial returns and uh, social returns, especially for uh, gender equity and climate action. How do you scratch below the surface and determine which organizations are really generating the kind of impact we need in this world? Now, thanks for asking that um, really, really pertinent question because there is a lot of greenwashing and a lot of pinkwashing happening nowadays. And so we, oh, I love those terms. And, and we have to be very mindful of making sure that the dollars that and the rupees that we're investing in are going to the causes that we want to support. We are firm believers in the fact that financial returns and impact returns can go hand in hand. And it is a false choice to say that there has to be a dichotomy and you have to sacrifice mm. one for the other. Um, it's made more evident now where all of us are experiencing action, uh, you know, the repercussions of climate action or lack thereof, actually, of climate change. And gender equity is one such domino in the multiple things that we can do that can address not just climate change, but a lot of the 17 sustainable development goals that UN has created uh, and that become a goal for all of us as a society to achieve. We think it's that one domino number five that can knock out a lot of other goals uh, in terms of making them more achievable. So how do we look for impact and what do we mean by gender equity and climate action? We are very, very fixated and almost nerdy about the need to measure because we are firm believers that if you measure something, you can hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. And um, in our case, on the commercial side, we are looking for financial returns. I'm also mm -hmm. a very firm believer in the one thing that General Patton said back in the day, you don't win a war by dying for your country. I'm a firm believer that the enterprise has to survive and grow uh, mm -hmm. and be sustainable on its own merit. And so looking for financial returns is something that most investors want to do, especially if they want to be equity investors. Got it. On the impact side, uh, similarly, we employ quantifiable metrics on the gender side, actually have come up with a mechanism mm -hmm. to score um, our portfolio companies on various aspects. I want to just clarify one thing. We are chasing gender equity while we think women-led organizations are a great way to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. it does. We don't limit ourselves to only women-led businesses. Got it. What we are trying to accomplish is a mechanism where we can promote or take an organization which can promote women in the roles of ownership, leadership, supply chain, or market making. Because each of those functions then allows and gives women the agency they need 
to be able to get empowered and that's quintessential to our existence mm-hmm. how do we measure for all of these nice words that i said one is the score that we have developed which mm-hmm. is actually our proprietary mix yeah, yeah. and so don't we- want you to go into your <laughs> secret sauce but maybe how do you balance the impact score with the financial score how do you make those decisions i know you said that uh, we don't see a dichotomy between the two but i'm sure at some level there is a tug of war how do you navigate those situations the way we are doing that given our focus also on climate action is to look at some things that are all already climate action positive leaning and mm-hmm. give them the intentionality of gender equity i'll use a case in point uh, without naming companies uh, there was a company that came to us in a storage solution uh, it was founded by uh three gentlemen um brilliant guys they had absolutely no women in their leadership ownership supply chain or market making they had a use case uh i'll call it use case a because it becomes very easy to identify and their technology is very very uh low cost builds on democratic elements easily available in the country we encourage them to look at use case b which was very Uh, supportive of women participation specifically it was mobility uh and in that case the the use case of mobility was something that they were not looking at by us giving them the lens of saying if you can have mobility as a use case of your technology you can engage a big swath of the population as your consumer mm. that achieved our goal of helping towards 30 million women which is our stated goal gain agency but it also gave them a commercial edge because one of the co-investors was specifically looking for that technology in a use case of mobility so mm-hmm. we proved a point of saying you'll actually make more money by taking a long it's just so intuitive if you have 100% of a market and you're leaving 5 50% of the market behind you have a smaller yeah. pie this just Got allows it. us to have a bigger pie oh that that's so interesting so you You also play this advisory role with But, with absolutely. companies. You got this product and you're not thinking critically about how this can make women's lives better and that achieves social goals and economic goals simultaneously. So is this how you engage with your portfolio companies? Totally. And okay. our th- our thesis is a lot more nuanced than saying I'll put money in 20 women founded companies. Again, I want to say nothing wrong with that. We'll embrace that. But we mm-hmm. dig deep I'll use another case study the product is in the space of water but we encourage them to consider and it's it's a company that uses a lot of men right now in fulfilling the water needs of whatever they're trying to accomplish we encourage them to engage women turnaround went down breakage went down and profitability went up they looked at us and said we would have never considered this and mm-hmm. it was as simple as saying change your hr policies and look at hiring more mm-hmm. what the social that good that came out of this was in one month salary the girl who was hired was able to basically pull the entire family out of poverty mm-hmm. and the sense of independence and as somebody uh, interestingly said that they were also increasing the marriageable age of young women in india which was a stretch uh, <laughs> but <laughs> because it was based on anecdotal data of maybe 10 or 15 young women who were part of now the workforce of the company mm-hmm. but the family also you know is the putting on the cynic hat the family also said well the daughter is supporting us so what's the rush to marry her off and so instead of being a burden she became a resource to the family mm-hmm. and because they were below poverty line before she started working 
it was dramatic in how it Im impacted. The company benefited because they had a very robust labor supply pool uh, that was actually very efficient, very diligent, very committed and wanted to stick around. Now, this is really helpful because I think uh, the assumption is that there's this tug of war. Um, and I think it's beautiful how you create these win-win-win solutions that benefit women across society, benefit the employees and the team specifically, as well as the leadership. So I think these are the conversations you like to have. Absolutely. Okay. I should clarify, we have uh, two requirements. We say you will have a 10x multiplier effect because of us writing a check to your company, you will engage women in whatever capacity, ownership, leadership, supply chain, market making, and increase at a factor of 10 because we were your investors. Mm -hmm. And then we will help you catalyze at least 2x to the extent the business needs money, 2x capital to what we are investing. So that's a measurable outcome of what we are trying to accomplish. I've had situations where some men-owned companies have said, Seema, I've got this one lady with me. Now, where am I going to find nine more women? I don't want to. And I said, no, no, no. My goal is 30 million. Nine will do nothing. Now, build a use case, whether it's supply chain, whether it's market making. I'll use an agri-supply uh, example, supply mm -hmm. chain, where they studied that in India, most farms are smallhold farms. And the workers on those farms are 80% of them are women. So yeah. I said, here's your audience. So I'm not asking you to now hire nine women. If you don't need to hire them, I think you should. But if you don't want to, it's not part of your plan. I'm not trying to tell you how to run your business. I'm just asking you to use the lens of saying, what else can you do? Interestingly, a lot of them, the, so when they looked at these smallhold farm workers who are women, they were able to increase their livelihoods by building in more efficient processes. They were able to cut down inventory because they made these women empowered to be their agents on the ground to mm. tell them what inventory of stock they needed. So now they don't have big collection centers. They have these village level entrepreneurs who are now punching in data and saying, this is the extent of seeds or fertilizer, whatever we need. So it's improved their just-in-time inventory management. But it's also given a greater increase in the incomes of these women. Got it. Got it. So you said ownership, leadership, supply, supply chain, chain and market making. market making. So companies that have women at uh, the owner or leadership level, supply chain is, um, you know, generating employment at various steps. Uh, it could be in-house through employees okay. or it could be suppliers who are Got supplying it. to them. Got it. And then market making is, is designing products and services specifically for for women. Mm, for women. Wonderful. And there's such an opportunity mm -hmm. because consumer, look at the macroeconomic trends. We as a society are going to be leaving a lot of money on the table. Talk about losing money making opportunities. Consumption spending is being controlled increasingly by women. Wealth is getting in the hands of women. The younger women, they are beginning to make their own financial decisions. So whether it is even a money manager is recognizing that their target audience has to be more women. So, and uh, you, we were speaking before about the importance of having more women in funds, specifically in VCs and other financial institutions. Why is that particularly important? So, the sad reality of today <laughs> is that less than two percent of venture funding goes to women businesses. Mm -hmm. Venture, by its very nature of the beast, is that you invest in because you don't have the plethora of data. To, because it's not private equity, so you don't have the historical data to support your assumptions, you're mm -hmm. really putting money on a team and a, and a person. 
people as human nature tend to put money in what they're comfortable with what they know and mm-hmm. if you see the old boy school they are generally hanging out together get to know each other get to know each other so it is not a strange coincidence that less than 8% fund managers are women the trickle down corollary is less than 2% women businesses get funding i'm not saying it's a one to one but it has also been established by several studies now fidelity included that there is a greater propensity for women led fund managers to invest in women centric businesses and i say fund managers led by women when i talk about pink washing what happens a lot is that a lot of analysts are oh look we we are very gender equitable we have all these women analysts great but how many of them have any say in the matter we're making decisions so when rubber yeah. meets the road the decision making is still in the hands of those same investment committee members who are usually mostly men and so you could do a lot of groundwork but the decision, the, the money doesn't the capital allocation there's mm-hmm. an old indian adage in hindi which says jiski laati uski bhais so i'm a firm believer in that also because ultimately capital allocation controls where the future of the power is and if you want to truly empower women give them access to capital uh, so that they can grow their enterprises and they're not just hobby businesses but they're formal businesses that can scale right i i like this distinction between vcs and pe in pe there there is a track record there are numbers with uh, with vcs there's an element of judgment and a lot of deals come through networks and i think that's why it's particularly important to bring Uh, more women into this space am i getting that absolutely but the also the evolution of the company's life cycle by the time you are series even b or c or later private mm-hmm. equity definitely you have pretty much institutionalized then it's net not person specific it's process and product and company specific got it okay. so anybody who's putting money is now putting money less on a person more on a product or service or the market etc but in the early stage the money is being put on a team and whether they'll be able to execute or not and that's where the inflection point happens and that's where the gap is mm-hmm. i call it a valley of death because that's where a lot of companies are made or broken and if you don't get mm-hmm. that support the other overlying um, detail which should be appreciated is formal sources of fun- funding only about 8% women actually access any formal source of funding which includes banks nbfcs etc why because most of them are told for debt yes the government's done a great job of launching mudra loans etc but they tap out at a particular number 10 lakhs 20 lakhs whatever the particular scheme might be you need collateral for debt families are usually very reticent of saying i'll let you put our house on the market mm-hmm. as collateral they don't mm-hmm. see the woman's business as serious which is why and she usually does not have underlying equity so after a while for scalability you need to have growth venture capital to scale it up i see and if you don't if your sources of capital are drying up because you've tapped out the 10 lakh loan great that you got it but that that'll still not let you scale up so for scaling if you don't have collateral therefore you can't access debt unless you're solidly cash flowing Uh, if you're solidly cash flowing you don't need any external capital hmm. right but if you want to grow and scale at i call it blitz scaling then you want to have an external source of capital equity becomes that very pivotal source of capital which is where the massive gap is and that's what we're trying to fix got it now i think this touches upon another 
interesting issue that we've been uh, discussing, which is women often don't have access to collateral. I think with inheritance laws, like property should go evenly between um, uh, male and female children. But I think to this day, that doesn't always happen in practice across India. And I think that might be exacerbating the problem for women who want to start business and, and want to have an asset that they can put up as collateral. Is that an issue that... that Absolutely. Well? So, okay. and that's where I try to talk about the difference between equity and equality. Mm-hmm. I'm not chasing gender equality. And I'll tell you why. Equality, and I liken it to a situation of some opportunities. Think of it as a multi-shelf system where the best opportunities are at the top shelf. Mm-hmm. And to get to the top shelf, you need a ladder. Mm-hmm. Equality would mean, uh, and and think of, and I'm not saying women are short. Um, I'm just saying two people. One's a tall guy person, and the other person's a short person. If you equality would say, let's give them both the same size ladder. The tall person will reach the top shelf. The short person won't. I'm saying no, no, no. Give the short person a taller ladder so that they can access the same opportunities. That is equity. And that is fundamental. And the reason why people don't focus on, I mean, it's if, it's great to even start focusing on equality because that'll mean the pendulum is beginning to move. But equity is considered... The ultimate objective. Absolutely. Very interesting. Switching gears a little bit, can we talk about trends you've observed in the Indian labor force uh, with respect to women over the past few decades? What are some trends that are heartening and uh, what's some work that needs to be done in the coming 10, 20 years that, that we all should be aware of? I hope you're enjoying this episode of Chat Masala. Before we move on with this insightful conversation, please be sure to subscribe and follow us so we can continue expanding our minds together. So statistical data says that our labor participation of women in uh, formal employment is dismal and declining. It's declining, right? Yes, the trajectory is downward facing. Okay. Uh, and it's very it's very con- disconcerting and urban india by some estimates is as low as 16% the country national average is about 21 22% you know there are various factors and then about measurement and is the measurement right etc so there's that whole debate happening but the alarm bell should be going off because they are, yeah. 16 17 if 20 even if it's at 22 if not 25 even that's very low but i think people who are not tracking this i'm i'm sure the assumption would be that there are more women entering the workforce as we start to urbanize what's the reason for the decline that that's what's surprising to me i can see it's (laughs) (laughs) it is very shocking but a lot of women have left the workforce we actually did a study with bain and google um as as part of my foundation where covid the and we call it the burden of covid was not gender neutral and now without, again, naming oh, okay. people, these were C-suite executives who were burdened with the task now of home care. And this was temporary, mm-hmm. but home care as well as their work care, something had to give and work gave up. And so while that might have been a temporary blip, in fact, in the world of venture, and that's not just in India, it's also globally, senior partners are quitting venture funds because they say, while we think we are on partner track, we're not going to make partner or we won't have the equitable access to allocation of the profits as much or the carrier or whatever that structure might be. So this, the numbers are the numbers. They tell a very alarming story. What I'm seeing happen, and this is because I was actually engaged very deeply in helping women consider entrepreneurship, where you had the flexibility of being at home. I'm noticing a significant uptick in the number of women engaging as entrepreneurs in the economy. Now, when you look at a population of 1.4 billion people, it's not moving the needle 
but whether it's urban or in tier two, tier three cities, the hustle is real. We just have to give them the lens of saying, if you look at an, a problem and you have a solution, it's actually a business opportunity that you can then grow a business around. So that I'm seeing happen afoot now. The government's doing a great job in promoting Startup India under the big banner of Startup India. The number of women businesses that they're registering has gone up. When I ideated the fund idea, the first thing that most investors in my fund said, Seema, you won't find enough women. And I would look at them and say, um, there are 600 million women in the country. I am looking to put money in just 20 companies, 20 women. I should be able to find 20 women. But having said that, now our definition is very broad. So it doesn't have to be women-owned, women-led. It could be influenced or centric. Mm-hmm. I think I'll find my portfolio. But the skeptics are definitely in the naysayers all, always there, but they're very concerned about not enough women engaging uh, for mm-hmm. that reason. And the paradoxical thing is that the literacy rates of women have actually gone up. So we think the timing is great for somebody like us to step in and say, let's ride the wave of great macroeconomic factors. Literacy is up, data consumption can be made to go up more dramatically. The PM just announced the focus on digital India and women-led development on how women will use technology. We have done this at the ground level. We have worked with Tata Foundation and also Google and taken our mentees who had benefited from our support. We've gone to villages where the woman doesn't know how to read and write, but because she learned how to use YouTube because of Google, we were able to train her to become an entrepreneur and she increased her livelihood. Wow. So I'm not saying these are venture fundable companies, but they are a great way of improving the livelihoods of these women. I will tell you that the hustle is beyond real and the ambition to have their children have a much better life is also real. The way they're clued into what is possible, for example, a woman in a rural setting asking me as part of my diligence when I was checking on whether the company was legit, Her big question was, when are you investing in a digital wallet? And I was like, that is impressive. (laughs) But the motivations were to support her children. Uh, And she said, I don't want my money being wasted by my husband who drinks. And because if you can see money, he takes it away. But a digital wallet, I'll be able to save. So the trickle of the awareness of technology tools is real. And we can really exponentially grow that. Got it. Okay, so I understand. I, I think uh, COVID really put a dent in this trend. But do you see an uptick now? Um, I should clarify. COVID put a dent in women's abilities to be more prolific entrepreneurs or even employees. The number of employees that left in droves. Some estimates said women were ratio four is to one. Four women for every man leaving. The, the silver lining of COVID was, and because I ran this program from 2016 or to 2019, mm-hmm. I would go blue in my face telling these women to adopt technology. Mm-hmm. The first two months, most women that I was in touch with still had a website as an example. So the silver lining was it encouraged women to embrace technology and digital technology far more uh, robustly. And uh, also it gave them a sense because everybody was working from home. It legitimized their operations of saying you can do real business if you work from home. Got it. Got it. So change that culture. Absolutely. Uh, you have such an inspiring uh, journey. Can you walk us through um, your experiences through LSR, BU, your professional career and how you came to found and manage uh, AWE? Sure. No, thank you. 
for asking that. <laughs> it does get to be a bit of a history lesson, <laughs> but I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, I did begin my career in India. Uh, I was with JM Financial. And for those who are interested, without dating myself too much, it was the big bull run of Harshad Mehta and the markets were opening up. We had just come off the dramatic lows of India having maybe a month worth of foreign exchange for imports. Mm-hmm. So the markets were opening away rapidly. I got a full ride to Boston College actually. And I said, let me go check what the other part of the Mm -hmm. world does. And so when you're getting a full scholarship, you don't say no. Uh, And so I went there and then I worked with Shearson Lehman. So I was helping go take companies public in India. Then Mm -hmm. I worked in wealth management for a bit in uh, US. Uh, Then I switched gears and started doing merging and acquisitions. And, uh, And that's when I was helping companies get exits. Then I became an entrepreneur heavily influenced by an organization called Thai. Uh, the Indus Entrepreneurs. I was the founding president of their Michigan chapter. I was in Michigan then. And I mm-hmm. was also, um, again, yet another milestone in history, the heady days of Bush v. Gore, uh, where everybody was talking about uh, manufacturing leaving India, uh, leaving for India or China. Mm-hmm. And so we did this big study. That study got noticed by uh, then Chief of Staff, uh, John Podesta, who was Chief of Staff to Clinton. So later... Fast forward, I was invited to his economic advisory council of a think tank that he founded called Center for American Progress. It did help that the U.S. Congresswoman recognized me for some of the efforts in us trying to save manufacturing. And I think fascination with the world of policy and my world of finance intersected beautifully when I founded this program that ran in India, for um, which was supported by the U.S. State Department. And that opened my eyes for the first time in my career around 2018. If you'd asked me that question prior to 2018, gender was nowhere on my radar. I was, I was, you know, my, with my blinders on, I was very fixated. I was there because I had the merits and uh, why would anybody even question whether I was a man or a woman? But when I saw the hustle and I saw the lack of opportunity being give, afforded to these women, it rang true that somebody had to do something. And then uh, I was reminded of, if not me, who? <laughs> so mm-hmm. here I am trying to launch this fund. Yeah. And we have launched the fund, so we are at first close. That's so wonderful to hear. What advice would you give uh, young women and, and young men uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of entrepreneurship? What values, what skills would you recommend that they focus on if they're entering the workforce today? I would say the biggest thing they can do is um, raise their hand. The first thing they can do is raise their hand and say, count me in, I'm willing to work because don't be proactive. And especially for a very young person, even if it is raising your hand to make photocopies, do it uh, because you're just building in yourself the culture of saying, I, I should be a team player mm-hmm. and not be sitting on the sidelines and wait for somebody to tell me. Proactive people are loved by everybody. So be a self-starter, be a proactive person. But then in terms of what else you can do, definitely find a mentor. If I was to talk to my younger self, I would say actively go out and find a mentor. Now, you don't have to get all your answers from that one person. So find your own board of personal directors, you know, a personal board of directors. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> your personal board of directors. Absolutely. Yeah. Who can help you grow in your different dimensions. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then network like crazy. It's never too early to network. Just mm-hmm. because you're starting out doesn't mean, even if you're a college student, even if you're a school student. Because remember, and network not just with your seniors, but also with your juniors. Because chances are, 20 years from now, everybody will do well. And then 
it wouldn't matter after 20 years whether you were two years ahead of somebody or not. Fascinating. And what, what advice would you give to young men who, who want to be better partners uh, for the women in their lives in the context of everything we've spoken about? What I, I think I'm looking for advice for myself. <laughs> I'm trying to disguise that. But uh, what would you say? What are, what are some immediate action items that can be implemented? Well, just give your partner space to grow, really, because the reality is the world's changing and you cannot be living in the stifling you know, norms of the 60s or 70s. Just get used to the fact that your partner, and I'm assuming you're talking about, you know, a couple situation, and I say that to my kids all, a lot. But even in the context of uh, a professional relationship, not even just a romantic relationship, even a professional relationship, respect the fact that you will have diversity in the workplace. Uh, even though I talked about the low um, labor force participation, but the reality is that as the younger generation participates more, there is a sense and recognize that your colleagues, whether they're uh, whether they're women or men, but your colleagues are very highly educated. So give them the space that they need. And now with hopefully people like me who are championing for young women actively, uh, chances are they'll stay in the workforce a lot longer because they won't be dropping off uh, for childbirth or for marriage and hopefully they'll come back. Uh, so things that were part of the norm for my generation hopefully doesn't have to be the burden of the younger generation. And just get used to the fact that you'll have to work with a very gender diverse team, could be a colleague, could be a boss, could be a junior, and build in that sensitivity of saying I've I can't be um, working in a situation where just because I'm male I get to call the shots. I think hopefully those days of entitlement are very short-lived, if not already over. <laughs> I think with your work uh, they will be. So um, we'll end with uh, a little rapid fire, um, kind of building off uh, the previous question. What are three skills young people should focus on today? Mm three skills mm -hmm. digital networking raising your hand and speaking up got it got it what's one value you, you hold dear that's really guided your life integrity integrity okay if you're trapped on a desert island you have only one book uh what would that book be i'll take mahabharat with me okay lovely greatest story ever told excellence is blank. an attitude an attitude got it and um, again, kind of building off uh, what uh, was discussed before, what's one thing you, you know now that you wish you knew as a 20-year-old? You can fly and you can really uh, achieve what you want to, but get the right support system. Got it. And finally, what's one tangible change you'd like to see a decade into the future, 2035, let's say? Equitable coexistence. Seema, thank you so much for you. all your insights. Wonderful having you. Likewise, thank you for inviting me and loved having this conversation with you, Rahul.